Well, good morning. Well, Jim's right. Uh, actually, we're going to do something a little bit different this week. I'm going to actually repeat the same verses that Mike taught with a little different focus this time. But So I'm hoping that will be uh, instructive. And actually, I'm going to read some quotes by different men who, who we regard highly about the verses we've been studying. And it's pretty amazing. Um, actually, I don't have the... <laughs> Here we go. I thought, how do I move these slides? <laughs> they don't... Slides move, change. They have something to do it with here. Okay. Okay, so um, the new verses for today are going to be verses 27 and 28. Man is humbled by God's grace and salvation. But before that, I want to go back and look at um, especially 21 through 24. And we'll talk about that, and then we'll kind of go into these verses. But this section of Scripture is pretty remarkable, and I'll show you some quotes about different men who studied this. But let's just look at these verses again. I want to include, you know, there's, there's a tie-in back in chapter 1 in Romans 1.17. For in it, speaking of the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So this expression, the righteousness of God, uh, shows up, you know, it showed up back in 117. We see it in 321, speaking about the righteousness has been manifested. And then we see it in um, 322, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And then Paul skips a few verses, but then he kind of picks back up again in verse 25. I do demonstrating his righteousness. And then in 26, he talks about, I say, uh, of his righteousness uh, at the present time so that he would be just. You know, the, the core word bet- between just and righteous is the same, same Greek word. It's just, it's interesting. Sometimes it's translated just, sometimes righteous, depending on the translation. And then the, uh, the last part is uh, the justifier or declaring righteous to one who is of faith. So righteousness is a key aspect of these verses, the righteousness of God. So let's see if we can kind of get a hold of that, what that means. So here are some comments about uh, these verses we're studying. This is the last ten verses in chapter 3, 21 through 31. So here's, uh, and both Mike and I, you know, it's funny, maybe our, our, uh, our exposure is limited, but both, both of us were kind of amazed by what people said about these verses. So here's Macaulay, which we look at quite a bit. So Macaulay says that 21 through 31 is the heart of Romans, the New Testament, and the entire Bible. He says, give me 324. He would be one. That's the, the key verse he believes in the entire Bible. Romans 324. And we're going to see, and then, okay, let's go to Chafer. He says, the Apostle Paul, he kind of narrows it in verses 23 through 26, describes the divine undertaking, which is a complete and final salvation, and in a manner which is without doubt the most perfect and all-inclusive proclamation of it. Wow. Then Newell, this is another amazing statement. He, He focuses on 24 here. We now come to the greatest single verse, verse 24, in the entire Bible, on the manner of justification by faith. We entreat you, study this verse. We have seen many a soul, upon understanding it, Come into peace. Just some amazing statements. You know, I had to go back and look at these, and, and I'm, I'm actually thankful that 
We're taking quite a bit of time on these verses. They're really outstanding. I would add one little caveat. And I, I mentioned this to Mike this morning. That I would agree. I think uh, Newell has the, these are the greatest single verses on justification by faith. But we're going to get into the greatest verses on, on our Christian walk or our sanctification in Romans 6, 7, and 8. So I, I agree with our brothers here that these verses are the best verses on justification by faith. Hopefully we can see that, and that's why we're going to repeat them again here. And then also, kind of, um, I want to show you, um, so, so here's uh, uh, Macaulay. You know, Macaulay's just amazing. I really appreciate listening to him. That we have a chance to listen to him as we study God's Word, and he's a great outliner. He loves to, to outline Scripture, so he outlined these ten verses. I thought this would be helpful in our study as well. So here's his outline on the, these ten verses. Okay, um, God's method of salvation is nature. Salvation is apart from works; it's by faith alone. Salvation is to all men. Why? Because all sinned. The basis of salvation is in 24 and 25. Salvation's basis is redemption and also propitiation. Its purpose, to demonstrate the righteousness of God. That phrase, the righteousness of God, is, is a key phrase in this whole picture. And you gotta get, you know, you think, that sounds, that's too big a word, Roger. That's too big a word. I can't, I can't make it my own. It's just a big word and I can't, you know, faith is a small word. Righteousness is a big word, and it, it's of God. And I, how do you understand righteousness? You know, anyway. Hopefully, we'll we'll make take a crack at that. And then, lastly, the results, which we'll talk about today a little bit. It humbles man. It glorifies God. It confirms the law of Moses. So that's Macaulay's outline. I thought it was just outstanding, kind of giving you a grasp of these ten verses. So now we're not finished here. I went back and I thought about Marchbank. I thought, man, we got this. Marchbank has taken a crack at salvation, but he does it in 16 points. <laughs> I said, well, wait a minute. What are the points in common? We got redemption, justification, propitiation, and we got the gospel and salvation. So these 10 verses will encompass redemption, justification, propitiation, the gospel, and salvation. So these, these 10 verses are a, a gold mine, if you will of God's plan of salvation. And what we're going to find is, uh, uh, spoiler alert, God has done it all. He asks us to trust Him, believe Him by faith. He has accomplished our salvation. And He's going to explain to us how He's done that. Okay, so let's take a crack at the righteousness of God. So I went back to a chart that I shared with our brother Hal from 2006 or so. Uh, so the attributes of God are His essential qualities and in this particular chart, I was focused on the triune God. And it's basically who God is. His attributes or his glory or his essence are who God is. This is what God is about. And God is about, kind of right off of his key, one of the key aspects is his holiness. And his holiness is described in scripture in two ways. Righteous and just. And we're going to talk about those today. It's also, he's infinite, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. He's self-existent. He's love, grace, and mercy. We're going to talk about his grace a little bit today. He's immutable, faithful, and true. We're going to talk about truth a little bit. And then finally, he's spirit, and he's sovereign. So what I did for this particular chart, I'll just do it for this time as well. If you take, if you take any of these attributes, 
you can go into scripture and you can find verses that will show that the Father is truth, the Son is truth, and the Spirit is truth. So here's an example of that. The Father, 728, He, Christ is speaking, He who sent me is true. And then the Son says in John 14:6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And of the Spirit, in 1 John 5, 7, is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is the truth. So the entire triune God attributes are, are listed here as, as described in Scripture, but our focus today is going to be on His holiness, His righteous and justice. So here's another way to look at this thing. I borrowed another Hal chart. I think Sue typed this up. I don't know how she typed on the... On the, or maybe he wrote, I don't know how he did this. How did he write in the curve? You can do that with a graphics package, but you can't do that in some packages. Anyway, so I decided not to try to redo it. So here's, here's that same picture, but, sh- but showing his holiness in the center, his righteousness and his justice. So, um, first of all, that aspect, his holiness, his righteousness and justice, is the center of who he is. And that's why it's so important that we talk about the, the righteousness of God. And, but there's two, you know, this is, it's like a jewel. There's two aspects to this. The, the aspect we studied for a good part for the last several months is his, his judgment of sin. God must judge sin. He's a holy and righteous God. He must judge sin. And we found out like in Romans 3.9, the whole world is under, under sin. Man is rightfully judged by God. But the other side of his, uh, his righteousness, he had this one single aspect of his care. He's righteous, but he judges sin, but he also is gracious. This righteous God also reveals his grace in the gospel. And that's what we, we saw just in Romans 1.17. So this righteousness of God is described at least in two ways, in terms of the judgment of sin and his revelation of his, <clears throat> um, his grace through the gospel. Okay, so now let's go back and do a little reviewing. So now, apart from the law, and this, the, the article's not there, so it's a law system, apart from a law system, and apart here is the idea of without or separate from. And I have a couple of statements here. God will not use a law system with mankind. And you're going to say, wait a minute, Roger. What about the Ten Commandments? What about the 613 laws? God used a law system, but he didn't, he didn't use it to save men. He used it to show their need for salvation. So God is not about having a set of rules. God doesn't want us to, to keep a set of rules or a set of laws to, to, to gain salvation. That's not what he's about. He's about a righteousness of God uh, that's being manifest. He talks about that. So Constable says the righteousness of God refers to God's method of bringing people into a right relationship with himself. And that's what it's about. Amazingly enough, every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ has the very righteousness of God. But he also has a sin nature. (laughs) So that that kind of muddies up the works. But he has this wonderful righteousness of God. And And it's come to him not by anything he's accomplished by works, but only by grace. So we're going to see next... um, this manifestation of that, and it's, it's a past completed action, so it's aorist tense. So we're going to see about that in the last part of the verse. So what's interesting is this, this phrase, um, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. And that phrase, that, that little, by the law and the prophets, kind of is, a, is like a little uh, sign that says, um, 
that's kind of speaking of the Old Testament scriptures. And our brother Mike's going to be talking about this in the coming weeks. We're going to see Abraham and David's witness about this justification by faith. Here's a couple of verses from that, a little preview. Romans 4, 3. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And then David, just as David also speaks of the blessings on the, on the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. So we're going to see those two men testifying, witnessing about God's righteousness, achieving salvation. Okay, so let's go on. That was verse 21. So this is just a short review. Um, okay, so even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, God's righteousness becomes man's possession and begins to operate in his life through faith in Christ Jesus. So here, and I hadn't thought about it, but this is the first time we see that um, Paul introduces the object. What's the object of our faith? And the object here is stated very clearly. The object of our faith is Jesus Christ. And Macaulay makes another kind of interesting statement. Uh, understanding God's way of salvation demands a complete break with man's way of thinking. You know, man's way of thinking, and I tried to just jot a few things, man's way of thinking is, you talk to the man in the street, <laughs> and the typical man in the street always said, let's talk to the man in the street. Um, you know, he thinks, you know, I got to, you say, you need to have a relationship with God. And he'll say, yeah, okay, I'll try to be better. I'll do better. I'll, um, I'll do some good deeds. I'll, I'll be more loving. I'll be more self-sacrificing. I'll give back. Isn't that? Well, I've got to give back. Everybody says, I've got to give back. I made, I made a billion dollars. I've got to give some back. They're all about, and they're all about works. I've got to do something. I've got to do something. Well, that's totally counter to what God's about. Man it can't do anything to gain God's favor because God's favor is absolute holiness. And man is, is, has, is a fallen creature and cannot attain that. So that's why his, your thinking has to change. And this, this verse, Mike gets to do all the cool verses. Um, I, I got cool ones too, but anyway. <clears throat> Four or five is just amazing. Just talks exactly to this point. But to the one who does not work, you, you, you go off to, I'm, well, Mom, I'm going, off to, I'm going off to work. I'm not going to do any work. I'm just going to believe. <laughs> That's what God says. He said, wait a minute, this sounds kind of strange. But the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. So as strange as that may seem, that is the way God operates. And we know that. It's not strange to us who know the Lord. Okay, back to, the, back to my target here again. So to explain um, this verse. Actually, this verse, the last part of 22 after the semicolon is, for there is no distinction, and it's the idea there's no distinction up between men, because all men need this. For there is no distinction... For all has sinned and falls short of the glory of God. So we see two things here that, that, two problems that man has, unregenerate man has. He's sinned and he's fallen short. Well, first of all, he sinned. This is an aorist tense again. It's an event. He sinned. When Adam sinned, he sinned. His sins, the sins of Adam explain the sins of his descendants. And we will see that down the road here in Romans 5.12. Uh, and then we have uh, the, the rest of the house picture here. 
it shows that this, this, this sin, which is actually sin is harmatia, to miss the mark. Man has missed the mark because Adam missed the mark. He misses the mark. And he's come short or he's turned around. Uh, you also can say the, um, the verb tense here, it's a present tense. You continually fall short because you have Adam's nature. You have a sin nature. So man has two strikes against him. He sinned in Adam and he, ten- he continually comes short of God's glory. He can't, hit the, he can't hit the bullseye. He can't c- hit the glory of God. He can't hit his righteousness. Okay. So going on to 24. Being justified as a gift. So God will now... So here's, here's our verse. This is the verse that people put all their... They said, this is the verse. And you read it and you think, boy, it seems like you should say some more. It says a lot, but they think you should say some more. It says, being justified... So you could translate that, being justified, you could translate, all are justified. So there's not every person that becomes right with God is justified in this way, you could say. Uh, justified is died to be declared righteous. And I liked, um, I don't often look at Robertson, A.T. Robertson, but he had a, a pretty cool um, uh, literal translation, to be set right before God. So man are justified or set this is how man is set right before God present tense continuous action God's doing the action he's setting right man before himself and it is his family of words dikios right righteous just etc all this core word about the character of God so now the rest of the verse is going to tell us the, the how and the why how did God do it how did he set man right before himself it starts off, it's a gift. Man didn't deserve it. It's free, or freely, as you can translate it. Freely, gratuitously, without cause. There was no, there was really no cause. God didn't, you know, nothing on, other than his love and his grace, which we're going to see shortly. There's nothing that, it's a gift. And it's freely. And it's by his grace. So, uh, grace is just such a tremendous word. Um, charis in the original. And I like to, you know, Macaulay has several, he has a wonderful definition, which I'm going to quote here in a second. But he has some other great statements about, about grace, so I want to repeat those for you here. So, I hope I have this right. If I have it wrong, um, talk to me later. <laughs> grace is the unlimited and unmerited blessings of God based upon the totally ade- adequate work of Christ. But you could say some more about it even with that. Grace is a single principle by which God operates in the realm of salvation. And I would add, in all of his dealings with man, he operates in, the, in, um, in grace. Grace is a principle that demands the merit, meritless act of faith to appropriate its blessing. Act, think about faith. What is faith? Faith is, tr- you could say, trust, belief. You're, you know, God doesn't. That is not an act that you're trusting another. You're trusting what He's done. You're not trusting yourself. You're trusting Him. When we were overseas in England, uh, <clears throat> I told the story many times. We, I heard the expression "faith and faith alone." Oh, I scratched my head. Faith and faith alone. What is in the world is faith and faith alone? I have faith and faith alone. What does that mean? Faith has to have an object, and the object is our Savior. Grace is inexhaustible. And embodied in Jesus Christ. Grace is free to us 
at the incomprehensible cost to God. And that was his son. So, you know, we could go on for, you know, many, many days and hours and weeks about grace. Marvelous. So that's part of being justified as a gift by his grace through, through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. And redemption is found only, and it's in Christ Jesus, it's in this living union with Christ Jesus on the basis of our faith. And it's this neat word that, uh, Mike went over this really well, um, it's uh, apolutrosis, um, a release on payment of ransom. And the, the picture here, I, I really love the picture here. It's a picture of a slave market. Slaves are for sale. And the slave is every, per, every person, every human being. And his debt, he owes a debt of sin. His debt is sin. And he can't possibly pay for it. He can't pay for, his, pay for that debt. Christ bought us in the slave market of sin, and it required his blood, his own blood, to do that. Believers, uh, believers are his bondservants, and that's that word ex Agarazzo, to buy out of the slave market and are never to be put up for sale again. So Christ, by his blood, bought us out of the slave market of sin. So this verse, you know, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. It describes the entire workings of God on behalf of the believer. Okay, so finally, today's verses. (laughs) Only two. We'll, we'll, We'll cover the rest of the chapter next week. Where is boasting? It it is excluded. By what kind of law of works? No, but by a law of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Where is boasting? Uh, So the interlinear, uh, pretty close to the... Where where is is not there. Where is the the boasting? Boasting is the idea to glorying, um, proclaiming oneself... Uh, goodness and merit. You're, procla- you're, you're self-proclaiming. You're, you're boasting. You're saying, "I'm, I'm good. Look at me. I'm good. I'm, you know, I'm what it's all, all about." The reference here is to the act of boasting is self-congratulating. You're congratulating yourself how well you're doing, and that's typically man in this world. You know, he, he's always congrat- always having award ceremonies to congratulate himself, right? Just, just think about how many awards, even, and it starts young, right? When you, I, I don't want to pick on Courtney, but for, for soccer, they have, they have ceremonies to give them little trophies. Little guys, maybe they're seven or eight, and they're running around. You get a trophy today because you tied, or you maybe lost, but you get a trophy because you're, you came out for soccer. And so, anyway, I'm not sure Courtney did that, but it happened in my, in my side. He probably did. He's smiling. So, um, anyway, boasting is self-congratulate. You congratulate yourself. It boasting was excluded. Uh, the idea of excluding is to shut out, to rule out entirely. So this is the verb tense here is eris. It's an event. It's indicative. It's a fact. And God, this was God's plan. So uh, and here's a quote by Weiss, which I really liked, but I kind of paused me to think for a second. It boasting was excluded by the coming in of the righteousness by faith. And I was trying to think, when did righteousness, righteousness by faith come in? When is that? And I thought, well, let's see, we got Abraham. I'm sure Abraham, Abraham believed God. 
and was reckoned to him as righteousness. But then I thought, well, what about righteous Abel? Hmm, he, he obeyed God, right? He brought the proper sacrifice. Hmm, there we got Abel. Can I go back farther? So I stopped there. So if you can go back, if you could think of another, another example. Um, anyway, righteous Abel. So, that, so basically what he's saying here, it's excluded because God's plan is the righteousness by faith. Faith, faith uh, allows us to enter into God's righteousness. And there's no other way that it can come than that. Okay, so then Paul kind of does some, he talk, Paul talks to himself. You notice in scripture he'll talk to himself. So here he's going to talk to himself here. He says, and it says by what kind of law, and it's actually, there's no article, so you could say principle. The interlinear, I was kind of surprised, the interlinear translated that way, through what principle. And so there's only two principles that are shown here in this verse. Man's answer of works, that's his principle, that's man's answer. So Paul's not, again, talking to himself, of works, question mark. Man desires from his Adamic nature, his sin nature, to show what he's done for God. This is what I've done for you, God. Look how great I am. You've got to bless me. I've done all these wonderful things. Paul's answer is, not at all, but through the principle of faith. This principle is that salvation becomes ours by faith in Jesus Christ. Faith is what God requires, not works. So if you learn nothing else today, <laughs> I hope you've learned <laughs> that it's faith. God requires faith. That's what pleases him. He died and is directed in a person, in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what God requires. And then this is kind of like a summary statement. This is his um, summary of this topic, if you will. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. So you could, we translate this, and you'll see why in a second. For our reason conclusion is as follows. So why do you say reason conclusion? Well, the reason he said that is, the Greek word behind reason conclusion is this word logizomai. To take into account, it's an accounting term, and you may be familiar with it, and to put it down as true, if you remember Romans 6.11, what, if, can you guys quote Romans 6.11? It says, um, I, I lost, my mind went blank here all of a sudden, I can't quote it. Uh, uh, just a second here, I wrote it down. This is like, uh, okay, Roger. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay, remember Romans 6.11? Reckon yourself, consider yourself dead to sin, but alive to God. Okay. So this word reckon, logizomai, is what... So Paul's... This is not, not a casual conclusion. This is a thought-out conclusion. He's thought it out like an account would... He says, I got the... The math backs it up. The math... Check the math. It's a done deal. I've reasoned this out. So this is what he's reasoned out. So this is what he reasoned out about faith. A man is justified by faith apart from the works or the principle of law. Man is declared righteous by faith. This righteousness, righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Faith must have an object. This righteousness is only possible apart from man's works. No set of rule keeping can achieve a right standing with God. So kind of to cement this contrast between Man's works and God's and, and uh, faith. Uh, I borrowed a chart from um, Macaulay. I have to listen to it. Um, both Mike and I listened to him and cut right things down. So hopefully we got it accurate here. So here's his chart on 
a comparison of works versus faith. So we have justification by works and justification by faith. So here's the, here's the contrast and comparison. <clears throat> justification by works looks at yourself. What I've done, justification by faith looks outside yourself. Justification by works is self-congratulating, boasting. Oh, look what I've done. I've done all these wonderful things for God. <clears throat> justification by faith is self-renouncing. You know, that's the first step in coming to know the, the Savior to see that you have a need for Him. You, you say, I can't do it. I've, I'm, woe, woe to me, I'm a sinner. Uh, justification by works looks at what I have done. Justification by faith looks at what God has done. Justification by works, is ground, uh, its grounds are in man. And, and justification by faith, grounds are in God. Uh, justification by faith glorifies man. Justific- I said it wrong. Justification by works glorifies man. Justification by faith glorifies God. And finally, justification by works results in a man-centered life. And justification uh, uh, by faith results in a God-centered life. Okay. Well, to close out here, and I always struggle all the time, what am I going to do for my final thought? And, and this one was a, was a no-brainer. Our brother um, Schaefer, Dr. Schaefer, he took, he took our key verse, Romans 3.24, which is the verse, and he said, let's look at it in a different way. So here's what he says. If verse 24 is traced backward, it is seen that. So he's going to, take, he's going to go through that verse that we covered, and he's going to go take the, the truths and start working backwards. So hopefully this helps. If it makes it more confusing, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so here we go. His first statement, you know, Vonnie was saying, you know, this guy, you know, he lived, his lifetime was, um, I think he died in the 50s maybe, 40s, 50s, something like that. So he lived, you know, anyways, somewhat contemporary. But anyway, his language is pretty hard to understand sometimes. He starts off, because of Christ's death, which satisfies the holy demands of God against sinners. So he's saying, basically, that, that Christ's death has satisfied a holy God. That's what he's kind of getting across in his first point. Then God's grace, the unrestrained expression of his love, his infinite love, is released toward those who believe. And that love will never stop short of bestowing of the fullness of Christ and itself the fullness of the Godhead. So man will receive the total fullness of God based upon his faith. Since a believer is thus invested with all the infinite holiness uh, can require, then God, apart from all merit or demerit in the believer, proclaims the one thus invested will be justified forever. Pretty, Pretty interesting. So basically... God is satisfied with Christ's death on the cross. His grace is released toward the believer. His love never stops toward us. He gives us the fullness of Christ. And then we get all of Christ. Not just a teeny little, not just a teeny little bit. We get all of, all of Christ, which is the allness of God. And the believer is thus invested with an infinite holiness. Um, then God, apart from all merit or demerit in the believer, proclaims that that one is invested uh, and justified forever. All right, so let's pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord. We thank you for your marvelous word. We thank you for these wonderful verses, Lord, that just um, encapsulate your plan of for man's salvation, that you desire that we, that we be um, able to communicate with you on your level, to uh, interact with you, and you give us your very righteousness, Lord, that we don't deserve, we don't merit in any way. It's based totally upon Christ's death on the cross, and we thank you for that. We ask it in his name. Amen.